Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. They perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men. But at that point in time, these chief priests and these Sadducees, it says that they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. Let me ask you something right now, because it's the same question I have to ask myself whenever I read this. When people see me or see you or talk to you, do they realize that you've been with Jesus? Do they realize that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? And and whether that be in the workplace, in your neighborhood, with your family, whomever it might be, do they realize and understand that you've been with Jesus? I think that's the challenge for each one of us. The Sadducees began to realize that Jesus had had a phenomenal impact on Peter and John. They knew that the two men were simple fishermen, and as such, they were marveled by the wisdom that they found in them. Pastor David asks today whether others are marveled by the Jesus they see in you. Have you allowed him to influence your life so much that others will see in you his goodness? If not, now is the time to begin seeking that level. Commit to him and his word so that one day others will see him in you. Now here's Pastor David in the book of Luke chapter 2 as he continues his message, The Move and Power of the Spirit. Many of those that heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. Now, I don't know. I haven't found it real clear for myself. Rather, that's 3,000, plus the Lord is adding every day, and now another 5,000, or did the 3,000 continue to grow, and now many came to where the total number is 5,000. Either way, folks, that's a lot of people coming to Jesus, And the Lord was doing a mighty work in Jerusalem at that point in time. So as they arrested the guys, Peter and John, they brought them before the Sanhedrin to be on trial. But we find out down there in chapter 4, verses 5 through 8, that Peter, that, that, that just became another opportunity for him to be able to declare the gospel. Peter, it says, being filled with the Holy Spirit. He turned around and placed them on trial. He was supposed to be on trial, but because he was filled with the Spirit, he was able to put them on trial. And by the anointing of the Holy Spirit, Peter pulled out all the stops. He declared to them all that in no uncertain term, look down in verse 10, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which which was rejected by the builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor 
is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Man, Peter just laid it out for him. Guys, you have no other opportunity. There's no other way. The only way that you're gonna be able to be saved is through Jesus Christ who rose from the dead, the very one that you crucified. He's the one that you have to come through. Well, as powerful as those words were, what follows, I think, is something that each of us really need to see and really need to comprehend about what's going on. Look at verse 13, chapter four, verse 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were seminary trained and Bible learned. No, what does it say? They were uneducated and untrained men. Now, let me stop right there. That, that's not speaking the, you know, the uh, negative on education. That's not speaking negative on being trained. I believe that we ought to, again, gain all that the Lord makes available to us. But the thing is, remember, Peter and John were just fishermen. They were just fishermen. They probably didn't use real uh, uh, high language even as they were speaking there. They perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men. But at that point in time, these chief priests and these Sadducees, it says that they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. Let me ask you something right now because it's the same question I have to ask myself whenever I read this. When people see me or see you or talk to you, do they realize that you've been with Jesus? Do they realize that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? And and whether that be in the workplace, in your neighborhood, with your family, whomever it might be, do they realize and understand that you've been with Jesus? I think that's the challenge for each one of us. The Sadducees, the chief priests, they couldn't say anything against them. Other than the fact of, now, don't do that anymore, okay? Now, stop it and don't do that anymore. They told him, don't speak at all or teach in the name of Jesus. But look at verse 19. But Peter and John answered and said to them, rather it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. What do you think Peter and John meant when they said, we can't do anything else other than to speak the things that we've seen and heard? I believe that that's what they used to call the unction of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in them, man, he's just pushing it. You, you, could, not, you could not make them stop. It's the same way when Paul and Silas were in the prison. Remember, they were locked down man, in, the, in the depths of the prison around midnight. They just began singing praises. That's not because they were trained or said, hey, if you get in a tough spot, just start singing praises. I think that was because, man, the Holy Spirit was so empowering in their lives, they just began singing praises. I think for Peter and John saying, look, we cannot stop speaking of what we've seen and what we've heard. Look down at verse uh, 23 through 37 here. Peter and John, they went back to the other disciples. The, the, the chief priests, the Pharisees, they just let them go. They warned them, let them go. And then as they went back to the other disciples, they began praying, but I love what they prayed. They didn't pray for protection. I don't know. I, I, I find myself all too often saying, you know, Lord, protect me, take that press away. 
rather than saying, Lord, just give me boldness, just push through it. And that's what they prayed. Look at verse 29. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness we may speak your word by stretching out your hand and not only speaking our word, but give us signs that you are with us. Stretch out your hand to heal that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Just a quick note here, and this is just a quick side note because we'll get into it more in depth as we go into Acts. It says that as the place where they were assembled together was shaken, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. That's chapter 4. But I thought that it was chapter 2 that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. If they were filled with the Holy Spirit then, then how can they be filled with the Holy Spirit now in chapter 4? Because, beloved, I believe it is a continual, ongoing work of God in the life of the believer. When Paul tells us in Ephesians, don't be drunk with wine, whereas in dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. The very word and the verb phrase that he has there is be being continually filled with the Holy Spirit. I shared with somebody one time that the reason we need to be being continually filled with the Holy Spirit is because we leak. Okay, and he said, uh, you know, he got all bent out of shape. Oh, you can't leak, you can't. Understand what I'm saying, man. We get in the world, we, 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 we get away from, again, the, the closeness and the sweetness of the fellowship of the Lord. We get tied up in the things. Man, I, I just need that fresh filling, that fresh anointing again. And that's what's going on here. Man, they were seeking the Lord's glory. They weren't seeking their own protection. They were seeking the Lord's glory. Lord, give us boldness to be able to continue on. And as they continued to pray, the place where they were assembled was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Look in chapter 5 as we move on. Chapter 5 on through chapter 6, verse 7. The Lord brings about a pretty quick judgment as the church begins to to move forward and as it's being formed. Uh, I I tell people, if, if you're looking for a New Testament church, be certain that you know what you're asking for. Read chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, where somebody lied to the pastor of the church, and God struck him dead. Okay, how many of you want a New Testament church, eh? So, you know, again, God was doing something there that, again, he was, he was bringing, he was forming, he was pulling together his new work, the church. I believe that there was no room for, for fooling around at all. Does that mean that we can get away with stuff today? And the unfortunate thing is, we do get away with a lot of stuff today, but don't be fooled. God is not mocked, man. You know, man's going to sow what he reaps. You know, God sees these things. The move of the Holy Spirit within the lives of the disciples brought about this continued boldness. Even the shadow of Peter falling on the sick brought about healing. And yet, the high priest and the Sadducees, they continued to raise up again. They arrested the apostles, and they figured, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to put them in prison, and that'll fix them. But what happened? There in chapter 5, verse 19, but at night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, go 
and run away from Jerusalem so they can't get you. No, that's not what it says. He says, go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. You just got arrested for speaking the words of life. And the Lord said, now go, stand in the temple and continue speaking. Beloved, that's only by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that is the work of God. And they did it. They did exactly as the angel told them to do. And the Jewish leaders, they just didn't know what to do. They, they, they were besides themselves. And so they went and they asked them to come to a meeting. They didn't really arrest them. They just kind of said, you know, would you come? Because they were afraid of all the people that were there. So they brought them to this meeting. And once again, they, they, they charged them to no longer preach about Jesus. But the disciples didn't back down again. So when the Jewish leaders called the, the, the apostles in, they beat them, so they physically abused them. And then down in verse 40, it says, and then they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus, and then they let them go. And then verse 41, so they departed from the presence of the council, crying the blues. Look at that, isn't that crazy? If that's not the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of these guys, I don't know what is. This isn't just being manly men and being tough as nails. This is guys with a relationship with God that cannot be compared to anything else. They departed from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And then again, daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Guys, do you see the boldness that the Holy Spirit is giving these individuals? The kind of boldness that, man, they would stand up against every threat and every persecution and every pushback. Not even the threats of those that had the power of life and death over these men caused any concern for them or caused them to back down. As a matter of fact, I believe it just, they just continued to grow bolder and bolder every day in the temple proclaiming it and every day going house to house proclaiming it. That's power. That is the Holy Spirit boldness and beloved how that is needed throughout the church today. It's needed in my life. It's needed in your lives. It's needed in the whole of the church today. If that were to take place within the church today, there'd be changes within our communities. There would be changes within our cities. There'd be changes within our world. But beloved, unfortunately, by and large, the church as a whole is anemic. They've come to the point of being uh, impotent with no power and no authority because we've gotten comfortable in the world rather than coming against the world with the truth and the hope of the gospel. Because we've tried it for so many years in our own strength rather than realizing it's the strength of the Holy Spirit working within our lives that changes us from the inside out. We've had enough of trainings and organizations and and books and seminars. What I need, what we all need, is that fresh flowing of the Holy Spirit within our lives. Chapter 6. As the church grew, the need for organization grew. 
just one of the necessary uh, things that are, that are there as it grew. In chapter 6, we read where the apostles appointed servants within the fellowship to assist with, with, with a variety of physical needs within the fellowship. The one that we see, the one that Luke brings out to us, is a reality of the widows. There were Jewish widows, there were Hellenistic widows, more of a Greek background. The Hellenistic widows, they weren't getting uh, taken care of as well as the other ones. So a complaint arose, and the disciples said, or the apostles said, look, we need to delegate this out to others to take care of this. And so from verse 8 of chapter 6 on in through uh, chapter 7, we read of the boldness and the faith of one of these table waiters, of one of these servants, of one of these guys that, uh, man, let let me just help you and, and serve you in this area. That's what he was called to be, a servant, a mere table waiter, but yet he is a table waiter and a servant within the kingdom of God. And not only that, but he is empowered by the Holy Spirit of God, and he's used mighty even to the point of his own martyrdom. Stephen, the first martyr of the church, and yet before he's martyred, literally, he spanks the high priest and the Jewish leaders with a little bit of history lesson of their own history and of their own prophets, as well as, again, calling them to repentance. Look down in verse 51 of chapter 7. This is after the major portion of Stephen's message, and he's looking at these guys. I I believe at that point in time, Stephen probably knew, Lord, here I come. I'm coming at you, so I might as well lay it all on the line. And so here he goes. He looks at these guys, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. You always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one of whom you now have become the betrayers and murderers who have received the law by the direction of angels and have not kept it. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed at him with their teeth. You know how that is, okay? You got that? That's just that absolute anger. But he, Stephen, being again, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and he saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. I, I, what an awesome thing that ought to be. I mean, he could see the anger of all of these men. I believe that he could see, man, it's only going to be moments, Lord, I'm going to be with you. And he looked up and he saw the glory of God and he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And then he dared speak that. All these guys angry, ready to kill him. And he says, look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Well, that was it, man. That tipped them over. That was all there was. Verse 57, they cried out with a loud voice. They even stopped their ears. You can see these crazy guys. No, 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 don't say any more about that. As they began rushing him, they ran at him with one accord and they cast him out of the city and then they stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man. Ah, first mention, young man named Saul. They stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. 
And then I love the heart of verse 60. Lord, give me this heart. He knelt down and cried out with a loud voice. Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. He passed on. And I love how the scriptures so often say, and and he slept, or he's sleeping, when it's talking about believers who have passed on. Because again, it speaks to us of the reality, man. We may sleep in this world, but we wake up in the next. We wake up in the presence of Christ. Chapter 8 now begins that, actually the second section of uh, the book of Acts. This is now the message of the gospel it begin, as it begins going out of Jerusalem. And it's interesting to note that the foreign missions program of the church didn't come through a meeting of the elders. Uh, it didn't come as any other thing other than a growing persecution. It wasn't like they said, hey, you know, we're, we're supposed to, Jesus told us in Jerusalem and Judea, so we need to start sending some missionaries out to, out to Judea. No, they were fine to stay in Jerusalem, even with everything that was going on. But the persecution continued to grow, and it grew worse and worse. And can you think, can you imagine for a minute, if you would, that maybe the Lord allowed that persecution to grow worse and worse, to push them out of the comfort of Jerusalem, to spread his gospel into Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the world. Do you think God you think God would make me uncomfortable? Do you think God would, 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 would push me out of the nest of my own personal comfort in order to do his will? Absolutely. Absolutely. Verse 1, chapter 8, says, Now Saul, that's Saul of Tarsus, was consenting to his, to Stephen's death. And at that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Gee, wasn't that exactly what Jesus says? You're going to be witness to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria. Now they're all scattered throughout Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. The apostles did stay in Jerusalem. And again, we see that even by the time we get to chapter 15, they're still there in Jerusalem. Lord was using them in a different way, but he was sending out missionaries as different Christians went out into these different regions. In chapter 9, we read of the conversion of Saul of Tarsus, who later becomes, as we know, Paul the apostle. And although his conversion was, was really dramatic, the response that he received, uh, both from the church and his old friends, the non-believing Jews, was less than cordial. The Jews wanted to kill him because he became a Christian, and the church didn't want to have anything to do with him because they didn't believe he became a Christian. So kind of like a man with no country, he's caught between the two. Well, beginning down in verse 32 of chapter 9, we read some of the missionary journeys made by Peter as he began going throughout the country. Still stationed in Jerusalem, but he began doing these missionary journeys on and out. And the Lord blessed Peter with miracles, miracles of healing, even bringing young Dorcas back to life again. We find that down in verses 36 through 43 of chapter 9. Now chapter 10 widens the move of the gospel into the lives of the Gentiles. No longer is Christianity just for the Jews, but now it's moving into the lives of Gentiles. Open our hearts, change us 
As our time with you today winds down, we'd like to share where you can listen to today's message again. You'll find this and other teachings from Pastor David and The Open Word at theopenword.com. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to ensure you never miss an edition of the program. Right now, let's turn it back over to Pastor David for a quick message from the heart. Hello, friend. I'm so glad you joined in today to The Open Word. As you know, this broadcast is meant to share with you the hope, grace, and love that can only be found through Jesus Christ. He's the reason I teach every week at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. I want as many people as possible to know and believe the message of the gospel. If you'd like to know more about what Jesus' life and death means to you, I'd encourage you to call us. We have some great people here who would love to pray with you and answer your questions. Our number is 520-836-9676. Again, that's 520-836-9676. Know that I'm praying for you too, and I value you greatly as a listener and brother or sister in Christ. Thanks, Pastor David. We'd like to invite you to come see us in person as well at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. We have services every Saturday, Sunday, and Wednesday, and you'll be able to find more information at theopenword.com. Just click the church link at the bottom of the page. With that, our time with you has come to an end. Join us next time to continue our journey through the Bible, right here on The Open Word. Make us more.